Stop it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jeff and Casey Show. Hello, and welcome to the Jeff and Casey Show. So you know, like, professional athletes, how they have their, like, little rituals they do before each Yeah, you talked about this in their podcast. You said that basketball players, like, wash their hands or tie their shoes. Yeah, tie their shoes a hundred times or whatever. So we have gone back to a lot of our old rituals, the Mega Timer. The Mega Timer, the Tie Well, One of the things that starts the show on on a, a thing is you count down with your hand. Right. Five, four, three, two, one. Right. And on one, you yes. flip me off. Well, no, that's not what And I now have. you do a double flip off. Right. So well, it's that, kind of two, yeah. like one, two, two. Well, this is what I used to do. I remember yeah. it, this was when I was researching things that we used to do that we stopped doing to try and get the magic back. <laughs> you know? Is, uh, is I used to count down on my hands. And instead of going like five, four, three, two, one, where you like, you hold up five fingers and you close the thumb, close the index finger, close yeah. the middle finger, close the ring finger, close the pinky. I just make sure that it counts down towards the middle finger, which but I believe, then you do a rotate, and then I rotate it into the double birds. And I feel like this was from Wayne's World, oh, okay. or something, right? It's from some movie. I feel like like a ninety uh, late eighties. The, the thing early that 90s. I saw recently was okay, right? Doing you the, reeled out yeah. the middle finger. Yeah, yeah that's been a long it, and then you time. Do it and then you're like, I don't. I didn't that's know. a real. Yeah. That's that's classy. Old school. This is all of this is very classy. But yeah, no, I don't do it for me, Jeff. I do it for us. Okay, I okay? see. I do it. It's it's for us. It's to make sure that the it's it's a good omen, oh, if you I will. See. Now, granted, it obviously doesn't work because last podcast. Right in the middle of the podcast, your phone went off. Yeah, the phone went off. You're not supposed to have that on. Yeah. You had it on, and it went off. Yep. You looked out the window and started talking about a container ship, which is so, completely unrelated. Well, so one thing that I thought was funny about the phone thing yeah. is, like, I can put it on silent. Okay. But the vibrate on my phone yeah. is so much louder than the But then ring. that's not silent. You just put it, turn off the vibration. No, turn I mean, I have, to, I have to turn everything off. Yeah. I'm just saying... I like the idea that somebody engineered oh, a vibrator right. that's louder than yeah. a ring yeah. when the vibration was yeah. supposed to replace the, the ring, ring in quiet, quiet scenarios. Yeah. You're like, you were yeah. so good at your job. Like yeah. he's sitting there in his basement yeah. Yeah. working on vibration yeah. materials, like new ways to yeah. shake shit. He's got all these like prototype ones. Yes. And then you come down to his lab and he's like, oh, don't get too near that. Yeah. Nobody's ready for that. And and I feel like what we want is not vibration. Like it shouldn't be like, oh, what's the volume level? Like ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, three. You know, vibrate silent. Vibrate should not be a thing. It should be like tingle. Like mm. it should be something that like exudes little electricity into your thigh, so you can feel it tingle, but it doesn't move. Yeah. So it, nobody else can experience it but you, if you will. It's your own private little ring. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, vibration's I no good. It's just it's what. Silence, sound is vibration. Right. Like that's just that's what that is. Vibration and you sound could... aren't different things. They're the same <laughs> thing. You're just talking about the size of your speaker. Right. One is a very powerful motion back and forth. That's vibration. And what lesser motions back you and just forth want are sound. Someone just like tap you on the shoulder, just like a little virtual. Hey, hey, what's hey, going hey, on? hey, hey. I just I gotta whisper uh, something. Hey, you know? Excuse me. I don't. Didn't like like you know when you whisper in his ears, like yeah, there's somebody that there's ran into the going. building. There's two planes, and you whisper yeah. into his ear. Hey, I want. I want. Did you just? Did you? It was this? Did I just you just bring up nine eleven. You brought nine eleven into it. You, you need, brought nine eleven into it. You just need a little whisper, right. like when you have bad news, you you're thinking, like tapping on your. So toe. you're thinking George Bush reading mm-hmm. a storybook to kids? Yeah. Okay. The amazing thing about that, which we've talked about recently, is that 
uh, the person whispering into George's yes. ear yeah. is actually the father of one of the programmers at Rad now. Oh yes. <laughs> so it's like a funny thing of like, excellent. Oh, yeah, we can we can find out. We can get some deets on that. Uh, I don't want any deets on that. <laughs> That's not, um, I feel like there's some taint there. There's yeah. some taint. Like if you if you've been close enough to George Bush to whisper into his ear and you didn't oh. whisper. You're a horrible person. Well, maybe that's what he was that's, whispering. If he did, Psst. if he was like, you're ruining the world. <laughs> hey, all I can say is the last eight years have proved that even somebody who I think is intelligent and is a person that like legitimately wants to make the world better can still be corrupted by the... And whether he was corrupted before or after, he's definitely now made the world worse. Well, I don't know if I, so, I don't know if I believe you. This this is one of those you're you are threatening to make this a podcast about selection no, no. theory, which I am totally willing to do. But be beware if you go down that route. We you don't want to do that anyway. We have we have the Casey may be unleashed if you we go have down more that to route. talk about anyway. We have I don't agree with more, that at all. Uh, uh, we have something more interesting to talk about anyway. Right. Wait, so just to summarize that, okay. you don't think Obama's been worse than George? No, no, that's not what I'm objecting to. Oh. What I'm objecting to is I, I feel like there is a prevalence of the opinion that the political or the socio-political machinations of this country are strictly forward-looking, meaning... Oh, we can tell a story about who Barack Obama is and what he wants to do. Yes. And the reason why, when he got into office, that those things that we have told the story about did not materialize is because Washington is too hard to work with, or he was corrupted, or he was influenced by the wrong people, et cetera, oh, et cetera. I see. That, that is the narrative that would be told. And that narrative would, was not told about George W. Bush. The narrative that was told about George W. Bush is that he just is this bad person, or he's stupid, yes. or he doesn't, whatever. Like, those are the narratives that get told. Mm -hmm. To me, I don't feel like those, I feel like those are very. They're, they're ways of looking at human behavior that don't super fit the extrapolations one might make from history and or nature in general. Okay. I think it's a more interesting – I think my opinion there is that the narrative of a good person corrupted just feels better than, than what it is more likely. Okay. But it doesn't – really matter what that story was in in, okay. a, in an important way. Okay. Like, who cares why yes. it is? Like, none of that matters. It doesn't yeah. matter if George Bush was, like, yeah. actually an asshole. Yeah. I actually don't think he probably was. I don't matter. think he's very smart. Right. But whether that affected his policies any more than Barack, who's uh, supposed to be intelligent, affected his like what you have to look at is where we're at. Yeah, <laughs> that's a true. shitty, <laughs> shitty zone. And then, then you go. But yeah, I mean, th I think it's that's kind of a, that's not a super interesting thing to talk about, just because it ends up all being like, um, well, if the Republican stayed in power, it would have been that you this worse no, but so, plus. But I don't so necessarily buy that. So that's the thing. So the way that I look at these things is very different from any of that, right? I look at it, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, but just not maybe with this specific bent. 
I look at it more as a selection machine. Okay. So what you have basically when you set up societies, right, is you have uh, with with political, you know, when you when you talk about the the socio-political organization of a society, what you have are selection machines for people. Okay. They are machines for elevating or demoting the influence of a particular like uh, person over that society, right? And they will find the people who are best suited to, for this machine to operate, and each round that this machine goes through, it's self-modifying, right? So the machine changes okay. over time, right? So you could imagine this is, I, I see it very similar to, um, and people, people use the term social Darwinism to talk about something that I think is an inaccurate portrayal of Darwinism, but it's very much like natural selection, where you have an environment the environment selects certain, you know, uh, specimens out of species to promote, basically. Okay. And then those, because you are sort of changing the makeup of the organisms there and their influence on the environment, the environment itself changes, which then produces new selection mm -hmm. criteria and so on, right? Yep. And so usually the way I see the political process, at least in this country, and the people who tend to uh, be selected by it, is they are currently selected for a very specific purpose. And that purpose is to get people to support this individual person whilst still having that person be completely ineffectual. That's like what the mm. selection criteria is, right? Meaning you want someone who will make absolutely no changes to anything and who people believe in and vote for. That is the only thing that we're selecting for currently, right? Nobody is – the machine is not set up to select a person who will actually make any changes, right? Nobody wants that who actually has any influence mm -hmm. over the actual pre-selection process. And when there are changes, that just causes – Oh, yeah. Like if you try to do Obamacare – as ineffectual as it is, yes, yes, it's yes, like yes. It's a that's huge considered to yeah, be the right, yeah. devil. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the way I see it is George Bush and Barack Obama are just both products of that. They are weak-minded, ineffectual individuals who both have strong sales pitches, I guess, for whatever mm -hmm. reason, to enough people to get them to get elected. Right? I actually think that the... And that's about all you can say I, for them. I mean, none of this matters because it's just trying to decide how they do things how we get into the situations we're in. But I actually don't think Obama is weak-minded or dumb or at all. I think he's actually quite intelligent. And I think he uses that. It, I think Well, weak is not the same as unintelligent. No, no, I understand. Oh, okay. It's just I just don't – I feel like he, he believes he's like – making compromises that are really hard to make like he that, like i think uh. he thinks about like this is boy it's hard being president making these tough Weird. calls well but, i mean i think the best you could say for that then that it's but none of that matters because that's just putting a narrative on some shit yeah, that's yeah, already yeah. happened which yeah. is always which is what CNN, which is what modern news is of like, where's the, where's the story? Where's the narrative? Well, but and the you're reason, like, so, but here's the thing that I, I kind of do want to underscore this a little bit though, because I feel like there's a little bit getting lost here. Maybe I'm not explaining it very well. I guess the thing that I'm trying to get across though is this is actually different. This is a new stage of American political economy. 
And the reason that I say that is because in the past, our political machine has actually selected strong-willed individuals. Mm. We no longer do that at all. Right. We have not selected a strong-willed individual since probably Richard Nixon, I want to say, was like the last time that there was somebody who was actually... And not necessarily saying that there was anything good about Richard yeah. Nixon, but he was a dude who had his own agenda that he was going to do, yeah. right? And we don't do that at all anymore. Like, that is not a thing that we do. And so, like, if you contrast, for example, like... Well, the agenda of the presidents mo nowadays, mostly, starting with Kennedy, was their real agenda of what they wanted to do happens in secret now. Like... Well, their real agenda of like what the Kennedys wanted to do uh, was like just start fucking around with other countries yeah. behind the scenes. Well, and if we do that, we don't need to get Congress involved. We don't need to have this whole debate. Like we can do this. But to all. be clear, there's a difference between an administration having an agenda and the person having an agenda. Mm. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, I believe, had an agenda. Him, yeah, the dude had an agenda that he was going to fucking do, and like. Every day, I think he got up and was like, how am I going to do this thing? And it shows. Like, it shows in the speeches that he made. It shows in how consistent he was at pursuing a particular vision. It shows in the results he fucking got as mm -hmm. well, right? I don't, I certainly haven't lived through any president who was that uh, effective himself, which is different from saying that there isn't an agenda to the administration, which is the people around the president, yeah. right? Which we've had plenty of that. Like, yeah. the political machine, sure, I, it shit has an agenda, but the person doesn't. And the reason that that's actually somewhat important, right, is because the person is articulating a particular vision to the public. And that is the one part of the political process in America that sort of works democratically, in a sense. Like, when Barack Obama came out and said, like, we want change and all this sort of stuff, that is sort of – that is – presenting a vision of the future to America, which they can then vote or not vote for as a confirmation or a refutation of the idea. Do we want these kinds of changes that this person is proposing, right? And to some degree, as flawed as our democracy is, that part actually works relatively well. The critical thing that is broken now, and I feel like this is hard to understate the reason that this is important, or how important this is, yeah. I should say. Yeah, it's the money, yeah. It's is, like, well, no, I, I'm, I'm ignoring the causes. I'm yeah. saying the fact that it's broken. That then makes that one part, which is the only part that works, irrelevant. Because if I vote for you because you're selling an idea that I believe in, but you're not going to be able to execute that idea because you are weak, then it doesn't matter. And that is what our political system is now so effective at doing. It's selecting people who sell you on a good idea that is probably actually a good idea yeah. for some segment of the population and then not delivering that idea at all. That is who we are selecting for. Yeah. And we select very well. I guarantee you that our next president will be another one of these people. It will be somebody with a message that people want to hear that may very well be a positive, useful message that we should engage, and they will do absolutely zero about it, mm -hmm. which is exactly what Barack Obama's yeah. done. And in many cases, they'll do the opposite. So like you look at Barack Obama's thing, right? You know, peaceful Nobel Peace Prize, let's not have these wars or whatever we're going to do. Meanwhile, we're like, hey, on Tuesday, we'll decide who we bomb with a drone, right? Single-payer health care, dit didn't yep. even mention it again after being in office, right? Most transparent administration ever, 
prosecuted the most whistleblowers. Mm-hmm. It's like he is literally the perfect Janice face individual. And I think we've seen that for quite some time, and we are just going to see more of it. So I think we're going to keep seeing that exact thing. Yeah. And how you break out of that process, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's very interesting. Uh, recently, uh, there well, was you a- might need You might need, like, we have had presidents who, like Microsoft in a little bit, grew at the folly of their competitors, right? We have had presidents <laughs> who just had, got into Edged a lucky zone right. where, like, their counterparts in the other party just yeah. lost it, and they were like, I can do whatever I want for yeah. a period of time, right? Well, and so that could, we could run into a period of time where, like, the Republicans try to hold on to the social side of their platform too long, and they lose everybody, and then the Democrats can go banana cakes for, yeah. like, five years. But that won't mean anything positive. No, 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 it may not mean right, anything yeah. positive. I'm just saying that might let somebody slide in there and then do whatever the fuck they want for a while. Whether that's positive or not, who knows? Like, well, and I guess, I'm just saying, I guess I could see that being a, that, that being the only way things really would ever happen right now in Washington because everything is so gridlocked. Like, Well, I don't know how much that's true either because, I, I, again, there is, a car- there is currently this assumption that, like, oh, it's so hard to work with Washington nowadays. Like, mm-hmm. there's never been a time in history before when it was hard to get stuff done in Washington. Which I think is an is a is a useful thing to tell people if you're if you're an apologist for some of these politicians, like if you're an apologist well, for a Barack Obama and that sort of thing, right? And I, that's fine, right? And that's I understand where that is coming from, but the reality is that there have been plenty of times, yeah. like if you think that currently where there are billionaires who have a lot of influence on how the country runs is some super crazy wild anomaly that never happened in history before, then really you haven't read much history is basically all that means, right? Right. The truth of the matter is strong leaders are what solve that problem. And as long as we keep voting for people who are not strong leaders, it's not going to get fixed, right? I firmly believe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I firmly believe that if Barack Obama had been FDR, if it was magically FDR's fucking ghost... I believe that half of Wall Street would be in jail right now and none of this shit would be happening because people who get shit done get shit done. I mean, at some level, I would almost say that like you look at someone like Dick Cheney, right? Mm -hmm. You get someone in there who's like actually a fucking serious ass manipulator, get Mm -hmm. shit done and shit happens. Now, unfortunately for us, he was a pretty negative dude. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I think he demonstrates a little bit that when you are fucking serious about getting shit done, shit gets done. And we just need to find positive people who have that same kind of a like, I will work this shit and make it happen. As opposed to, I will just steer clear of the controversy because, oh, it's controversy and it's so hard to get things done in Washington. And, you know, there's lots of things that we can do behind the scenes. Like fixing campaign finance and all that stuff makes it easier for these people to arise But fundamentally speaking, I think one thing that people have to remember is the only thing that campaign finance fixes is sort of a, uh, if you will, uh, an ambient temperature problem. The bottom line is people still vote. Mm -hmm. And the the only thing that this money gets used for is to advertise to them. So 
It's not like the it's not like the money is buying the election. It means that everyone is very gullible. Yeah. And so well, also, there's still a problem does, there. You know, there's, it, there's a yeah. problem across the board where you it's it's hard to pin it entirely yeah. the fault on just the money. It's more than the money. But, there's well, a pro- also there's hard. problems deeper than the yeah. money. It's also right? really hard to tell how people so. what how good of a leader they'll be. That's not like a it, – it's, it's hard to tell that. I mean, giving the voters some degree of credit here is like uh, it seemed like Obama was the real deal, right? Like he had – I felt like he had a mandate. He like went in there. He, he said all the things you wanted to say. I, before the election, uh, I didn't feel like he was going to be like how he was. So, so, I, so I could see – I can see like, hey, knowing how how – how absolutely stubborn, how scorched earth the person will be to make sure so his think, things get done. So here's what I'll hard say. To say. I will say I agree with you that it is difficult to know perhaps. I don't agree with you that it was hard to know in Barack Obama's case. Mm. I think you had a canary in the mine shaft. There was no question of what Barack Obama was going to do when he got in office. And the reason I can say that is because all you need, the only thing, if you were only paying attention even a little bit, The instant he said, I had to vote for telecom immunity because otherwise they'll use it against me in the general election, done. You know that if he can't even vote in the Senate against telecom immunity when supposedly he was going to be this person who was against the spying, against Mm -hmm. all this stuff, against the Bush regime, that told you everything you needed to know. And Every single thing that Barack Obama has done in Washington has been that repeated. So you got exactly what you needed to know before the general election even occurred. You knew what Barack Obama was. He was somebody whose only concern is the appearance of the thing. He's not going to make public opinion. He's going to follow it. And that's exactly what he did. So I feel like that was an open and shut case. But putting that aside, I feel like... I agree in the general sense. Like in the general sense, you could imagine because, like, you can imagine if Barack Obama had voted against yeah. telecom immunity. Let's just say he had. Maybe it would have been very difficult to say, well, I don't know. He seems like he's sort of taking a stand. Maybe he would. And then he goes the other way. That's totally possible, yeah. right? You know, well, it's hard also, to say. He had that. What was the name of the chief of staff that was the super scorched earth guy that was like just burning like we will do this. And uh, then after six months, they got rid of him. They were like, ugh. Oh, I'm sorry. R- no, no. Rawl... There's so much politics these days. Uh, that it, I mean, it comes chief... out of my. It, it flows out yeah. of my memory, unfortunately. And I and I'm like, I feel like it would. You be... could say like, hey, firing the guy who was like everyone said got stuff done, but was like made a lot of enemies was probably chief also staff. I think it was okay. Em- Emmanuel. I mean, I'm sure I think he's right. the brother of the guy portrayed in Entourage. Uh, what? What? <laughs> yeah, it's a weird. Okay, I don't yeah. know entourage. He's a, he's okay. a he's a Chicago right. politician. He, he oh Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, he was his chief of staff. And okay, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I didn't know who you were talking about at all. Is you, you think that guy is was a bad fire? Well, no. I mean, they they got rid of him because he was okay. just too okay brusque with yeah. every like he just like fuck you if you're not doing this he he was on board the. We have a mandate. We're going to do whatever we want. He must have been the only one because everyone else, like yeah. Timothy Geithner, not exactly yeah. the case, right? Like you, you had pretty – or um, uh, the uh, – oh, fuck. I'm blanking on his name there. Um, the uh, the attorney general. Um, 
the Wait, most the fucking one? milk toast attorney general. Oh, yeah. the current one, the, yeah. the guy with the crazy mustache. You know who I'm talking <laughs> mustache. about. Mustache. You know who I'm talking mustache. about. Mustache. It's so it's hard these days. So one of the things that's so difficult these days is that like basically there isn't enough room in my brain to keep current events. Like there's so much happening mm. that I just can't remember everyone who they are what they're and it, it it does become more of a abstract mush than i would have liked it and it's definitely true that like i know more about certain historical things than i do about what's <laughs> currently happening right it's right. like there's so and it, i feel like sometimes i do wish although not practically because i look back on my life and go what a wasted life or something but sometimes i do <laughs> wish that i was one of these people you know uh like glenn greenwald or somebody who was spending all of their time focusing on politics so that i could know everything because i'd be up mm. to speed right if you had the, if you spent every day here right. you wouldn't forget who the fucking attorney general was well also right? if you wrote about it and like yeah, yeah yeah you'd know because it's all in your working set like i don't forget anything about programming and well C, the other thing right or, or like the other you thing know? that's different about so. history is the the books on history that tend to stick around yeah. are the ones that are well written and awesome. <laughs> and so, like, you're comparing like a well written story like Legacy of Ashes versus the news hose. Yeah, and it just sprays it. Everywhere. And then you're trying to yeah yeah yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, it's bothering me now because I can see his face. I can see the Attorney General's face. Talking at me, you can look at and me getting angry at him yes. in a in a like a very deep personal psychological way, and yet for some reason the name has completely left my brain, which is frustrating to me. Not that you wanna... who care. I mean, not that anyone gives a shit what his name is, yes. but I'm just saying that like I know it, that it's I know frustrating that to have you that. You have an piece. iPad right there. No, you can look it's, it up. we'll let it sit. It's the penance. It's the penance for forgetting. I see. You have to have a hair shirt sometimes for these things. <laughs> so that next time, should your we, brain will know that it needs to keep it at the ready. Should we talk about this other frustrating thing since we've brought up frustration? Which sure. Is, what is the other frustrating thing? The frustrating thing is you... So the, the pedigree of frustration, I would say, starts... With you, all right. Moved to Dan Thompson. Okay, I know what you're talking about. And then now. moved to me. All right. Which is, uh, yep. something that's happening nowadays right. across America. Yep. And I have a funny little story part of that, which is I know exactly stinky, what you're talking about, but I don't actually the, know the story. Yeah, so this is the stinky dishwasher situation. Okay. Okay. Which is, you. we all have new places. Yep. The three of us. Yep. All brand new, expensive dishwashers that were yes. placed in Which, there. Which, not selected by us, by the not way. Not selected by us, but they're but like... Dan selected his. Well, I think he's, he replaced gone, he's gone through some, yeah. yeah. Um, and which is these new... It's Miele. I don't know how you say that. Uh, it's Miel. Miel. I don't know how you pronounce it either. Yeah. It's anyway. M-I-E-L-E. But there's also... Bosch makes similar yes. ones. There's a mm-hmm. number of different dishwashers like this. They are dishwashers... If you have not seen them, that are a flat metal exterior with yeah. no markings of any kind. It literally yeah. just looks like a flat piece of metal. Right. And you open it up, and the controls are actually on, on the, the lip, so yeah. that you don't—they're not actually exposed. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, and so the interface for these are terrible, and I think I've even joked before about how modern dishwashers are like I have to open and close the thing and then turn it off because it doesn't like you don't turn it. You don't say right. go. It's got some weird little thing where you do a dance, open and close it, yes. and get it started. Anyway, so what's been happening with all of these dishwashers for the three of us 
is what's technically known as the stinky dishwasher situation, okay. which is you run a load of wash. Yes. You open it a couple hours later, and the actual dishwasher just stinks. And it smells. Yes. Now, online, if you look this up, yes. the smell is described awesomely as like oh. garbage smell okay. or diaper pail <laughs> or sewer. It's not good. It's nothing good. It's not fresh no. flowers. No, it's not fresh it's, flowers. It's not fresh flowers. So um, this had not... I mean, it had, you had mentioned before, like, oh, yeah, you got the problem. Like, you yeah. opened mine and smelled it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really smelled that yeah. bad. Three days ago, I opened it, and it was enough that I it triggered oh, my like, throw-up reflex. So you were like, I was oh, like, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. It was that stinky. And I shut wow. it again, and I'm like, right. okay, hold my breath, put more soap in it, run it again, hoping, like... Yeah. And it's been better and worse. All right, yeah. Uh, but it's it, it, like all of a sudden I now have the stinky dishwasher okay, situation. Okay. And now the stinky dishwasher so now, situation I'm, I'm when people have this. To be to fair, be- let's just, let me just throw something out there for you. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I will say is welcome to the club. Like mm-hmm. I am glad to have more people in this club because I feel like only in numbers will we finally be able to do something about this ridiculousness. Okay. Of suddenly a problem that had been solved has become Completely. unsolved in the past 10 yes. years, which is ridiculous. But yep. keep going. Continue. So um, it started happening. And then there's other the problem with the other problem when you have stinky dishwasher syndrome is that you start thinking maybe it's in your head. Because once you have the oh, stink, oh, okay, okay. then you're like... I see. You, you weren't I, sure. I would Now I'm like, am I just imagining it? I don't remember this. No, wait, and, okay, okay. Uh, really? I've never had that. I know when I smell something. I don't imagine smell. I okay. know that I'm smelling a stinky dishwasher. I definitely have the sensation of when there is an... If like, uh, you know, when I had dogs, if the dog... Had an accident okay. in a room. All right, and you clean that thing seven ways to Sunday. I still have okay. the okay. phantom. Okay. Okay. Yeah, the phantom fell. Right. Uh, the phantom smell. So okay. the um, uh, so I was like, I don't know what's going on here, and so I turn, as most people do, to the internet's to look at this. Okay, and there are hundreds of forums stock talking about stinky dishwasher syndrome. Okay. and what to do about it. And they actually have various explanations. Okay. And then one important one that I think actually is the issue. Okay. Hmm. Um, but for me, what was interesting is they all said, talk to Melee oh. tech oh. support. Here's the number. They are fantastic. They oh, will really? always talk to you. Really? Yeah. That yeah. surprises me because usually people are very dismissive of tech support. Yeah. They're all like, no, this person really... Really went through the stuff with me, huh. whatever. Okay. All right. So it turns out – now, before, okay. I'll talk about talking with him. Okay. But I, it turns out the big difference in dishwashers, Yeah. the reason why oh, they I, do this now – venting. That's not what that, – that's oh, actually not temperature? That. It is European dishwashers – Versus American dishwashers. Okay. okay. So there are two kinds. Okay. Hit me. Yeah. So uh, European dishwashers uh, wash at a much lower temperature. Okay. Much lower. That's bad. Than the American ones. Okay. And so that has some ramifications. Yes. It's very bad. So one is 
they need a special – now, the reason they do this is because they use less energy and whatever. It's supposed right. to be greener. Okay. Now, however, in this turning to greenness, right. in the same way that I have to flush my goddamn right, right, toilet right, right, three right, times, right, right, right. Um, yeah. it turns out that you actually have to use a very special set of chemicals okay. to do this because you are not using heat only to clean them. Okay. I see. So what you have to have is uh, uh, if you use the normal dishwasher soap that I bought for my entire right. life with my American ones, okay. you have to use ones that have these weird enzymes in them. What? Yes. They're, it's, and there you look on it and it's like contains enzymes or whatever. And there are these little enzymes that, that work on the dishes. Okay. And you're like, okay, that's something. But here's the important part. Right. I went and looked at my dish soap. Okay. That was, happened to be, enzyme cleaning soap. So okay. I was like, I don't understand the, the, the stinkiness. I'm not sure if I'm with you on any of this, but continue. I mean, they, they say on, their, on the back, if you look at the enzyme ones, they'll be for European-style dishwashers. Like, they're using chemicals that okay. are supposed to do this. All right. So I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll give the fucking tech support a call. I hate calling anybody, but I'm going to try right. it. And what happens is – now, he was very knowledgeable. Okay. But there was definitely a sort of um, – Attitude problem? Raymond Chen situation yep. of like – Switch to get. Of a, just – of a what do you mean you're doing that kind of thing. Right. Like, and, and if you don't know, Raymond Chen is a uh, – Super knowledgeable guy about Windows. Like, if you yeah. want to know how something in Windows works, right. he's the guy you want to ask. Hopefully, yes. he answered you, whatever. Yeah. But in his answering, yeah. he's sort of famous for being like, what do you mean you're doing that? Yes. When the the thing he is so um, surprised at you, be, yeah. you, you doing is totally – there's no way you could have known that. Like. Yeah. Well, you did, what also, do you mean? That's because yeah. if you did that, there's no way for the colonel to have known to delete right. the handle before you deleted the window. And you're like, I was just trying to, you know. Well, but the other thing too, and and this is a criticism of Raymond as well, <laughs> who I actually love. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. Is, yeah, but that's just because your colonel is fucked. Like, like the you're. Don't forget yeah. the fact that most of the shit in Windows is completely fucked and yeah. you are doing it wrong. Yeah. The only reason that I'm doing this wrong is because you are doing it wrong. Right. What I'm doing should have been right. <laughs> so, and you fucked it up. So don't blame me for so that. It was yeah. definitely That's the same a situation, situation here. Where, yeah, it, I like, started talking to yeah. the guy where it felt like he's like... Well, yeah. no, that's because Windows 16-bit Windows did it that way. Yeah, it yeah. was uh, it was like right. so. We, so right. I go and I say, so I heard about the enzyme. He's like, we have to have enzyme soap, and I right. go, okay. Well, I have that, and he's like, let me ask you this. Oh no, yeah, I don't want to hear that. Are you rinsing the dishes? And I go, of course I'm rinsing the dishes. And he what says, that, what does that mean? Rinsing off the food off the dishes. You know, you know, when you take a plate, you yeah. wash off, and you put it in the dishwasher. And I said. Yes. Like, I thought he's like, yeah. you got to rinse him. He's like, you don't do that with European dishwashers. And I go, what? What are you talking about? Because I think he's fucking with me. Yeah, that does sound. He goes, here's what happens. The enzymes in that soap, if they don't have anything to eat, will turn on each other and they give off no, this gas. Nope. Nope. I am totally not okay with even I, a let single... Me finish. Let me finish the story said. because I I will tell you okay. that I have now had no stink for three days. Okay. okay. 
So he says, okay, if now he says there's two ways to fix that. If you rinse the dishes, you need to use like a dash of soap. You're like, like, do he says, if you fill that thing yeah, up, right. All of that soap is just going to turn into the stinky garbage smell. Okay. So he's, he said, what I recommend people do is you take the plates and you put them in there. Don't even rinse. He's like, just leave the food on there and you'll be happy. Okay. If you do do that, use way less soap than you think is even humanly reasonable. Okay. Like, you use none. Okay. Then he said... The other thing you want to do yeah. is use that fucking uh, rinse aid, aid okay. bullshit. Yeah. And I go, okay, so just to be clear, in your quest for greenness, yeah. I'm now using double the chemicals. chemicals. Yes. And he says, all right, so here's what the rinse aid does. The rinse aid is the thing. This is totally the Raymond Chen of dishwashers. Yeah, and I'm like, none of this. I'm like, yeah. I've been using dishwashers yeah. since I was like yeah. eight. Yeah. So... Uh, so he says, no, you, you, what the rinse aid does is he's, it, in, if you look at it, when you, when you get it, he says, it's not soap. It's more, right. no, it's not. Yeah. He says it's more, it's, it's not a filmy stuff. It's more of an alcoholy yeah, kind of sensation. Yeah. It's to make it so that it doesn't adhere. The water will evaporate, right? Yes. It is so that like, Hey, and that is the venting thing. He said, yeah. the other problem with these yeah. is they're completely shut. And ridiculous. so the water sits there and then just yes. gets ran. He said, now, if you, don't, if you just use less soap, it won't be stinky, but you're still going to have all that water sitting there. Yes. If you use the rinse aid, the water will go out of the dishwasher, and then you won't have either. When, he said there are two things. One is you're not going to have the stinkiness, okay. even if you over-soap. Yes. Second thing is when you take your stuff out, yes. they'll be dry, which I've always in these dishwashers, you take out your stuff, and they're always soaking wet, right. even six hours later, because there's right. nowhere for the water no, to go. No, there isn't. Um, so I'm like, you know what? This is a, this is a 16 bit windows kind of thing. All right, I'm just, I'm gonna just going to order this shit on Amazon right. and do it. So you did. Did I he, did. Now, did he recommend to you soaps and rinse aids? He will. He, he, he did not. He said you can use anything that is a rinse aid or whatever he said, but Millet brand is oh, very oh, good. Oh, is yeah. it? So yeah, they, they, they're into that whole combo. I'm going. sure they are. But I will say, uh, the first time I washed the dishes with a very little soap and the rinse aid, I opened it, and it was like, uh, it was so clean. It didn't have no stink. And I'm like, God damn it. Now, you didn't it, rinse the dishes. You just put them in. Is that what happened? Or I didn't rinse the dishes. You just put them right in. I just threw them in there. Two dishes I had to put in, leave in there because they did not completely clean them. Okay. I mean, they left a little. That's what I was going to say. That, that is that is a problem. I just left them in there though. I didn't re-rinse them, and the second time they were clean. But that's not success. No, no. I'm just saying, for me, that's a huge success. Getting 98 percent of the dishes out and not having that stink when I opened them. I never found the thing that you and Dan complained about, where like the cups actually smelled bad yeah, after yeah. going through. But. Um, it was more me when I opened the door, the wah, the initial right, blast right. hit me. So I don't believe a word of any of this is the first thing I'll say. It is totally, it is totally data free in the sense I've had three of these thing, three washes and I have yeah. no idea if it'll fix. The more, in, the more funny part was like him just exasperated me, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. not knowing things that are like, 
really esoteric for someone like that should be a big red sticker on the inside of the washing machine saying don't rinse your fucking dishes but this is the thing i i the reason that i find none of this to be compelling is because these dishwashers do not wash dishes that are not rinsed if i put an unrinsed dish in the dishwasher it will not clean it so there's one of two things that could be true there according to mr dishwasher tech Mm -hmm. support statement either a I am not using an enzyme, correct enzyme soap. But if that was true, it shouldn't smell. Or I am using an enzyme soap, and it's not cleaning my fucking dishes. So as far as I'm concerned, it is a fail in one or the other ways. But it is a fail, not a success. There's no, nothing that he has said could produce success. I will just give you my brands. Yeah. And then you can try that and see if it magically delicious is. I will say, I, I for almost two weeks, it's been bracing to change the dishes in the dishwasher. And the very first time I had both actions and did all that, I opened it. It was perfect. Yeah. So you now can you try may be it. facing a slightly different problem as well than Dan yes, and I it are totally facing. true. I don't really know. Yes, I right. mean it is funny also just to go on the forums to see these people losing their minds because people. Uh, I mean, it's you got a lot of grumpy people about this whole situation. So this is again. I, so I suppose in many ways this is actually very much like Windows. So. I don't need you to tell me what temperature I'm going to wash my dishes at, <laughs> yes. asshole. Yes. Right? It's like. I will tell you what temperature mm-hmm. to wash my dishes at. And if I choose to wash them at 130 degrees so that bacteria proliferates inside my dishwasher because I really fucking like rampant bacteria on my eating surfaces, <laughs> so be it. But if I actually want to fucking do it at like 220 so it's steaming the dishes effectively, <laughs> then I want the capability to do that. Yeah. And I'm not really interested in you telling me one way or the other. I will make that decision. Yes. And I will be the one who arbitrates <laughs> the power versus cleanliness trade-off that I make in my household. Right. Thank you very much. Yep. And that is all I have to say about that. Okay. Yeah, that is very Windowsy of just assuming a usage Plus, I'm very interested in these enzymes. What exactly are these enzymes and how safe are they to ingest would yeah. be my other question. I have no idea. Yeah. No idea. I, I, I was... It was all a surprise to me. I'm like, I didn't know that yeah. the Euro and the Americanos yeah. were all that different. Apparently very different. Yeah. But um, I will also say, just as a separate thing, the fascination with high-end appliances and their complete lack of correlation with being good at what they do yeah, we talked about that is before. pretty it's embarrassing. Well, that's why I don't... I hate this trend now of places... If it's a nice place, it has to have the upscale Mm -hmm. thing. Because I would never, ever purchase a high-end dishwasher. (laughs) Ever. I mean, I'm never doing that. That's the worst idea ever because they can't wash dishes. Same with a washer and dryer. They can't wash clothes or dry clothes. And so I would never, ever buy those. But now it's like if you move into an apartment that's That's somewhat nice, if if you rent... An upscale apartment. It's sort of like the thing that we've been talking about where if you rent, uh, if you pay for a fancy hotel room, you don't get any internet access. Right. It's the same. It's like you pay more <laughs> and you get less. It's like, 
I feel like when you pay more, you should get more. That's what I want. I want a world where I pay more and I get more. So you go to a fancy hotel and you get right. like your own fiber connection. This isn't game design. Yeah. This is not – I don't want to live in a world of trade-offs. Right. right? I don't want someone to have balanced it. So it's like – so that I'm sitting there going, oh, well, okay. I so have I could the, have the nice room. Right. I could have the – it's like a nice clean room, no bugs. No, the clean the, – But the I won't room, get internet. The room of cleanliness right? doesn't yeah. come with internet. But yeah. then the – the room of yeah. internet has yeah, yeah. bugs, right? And then, so then oh, I'm thinking like, but oh, if I, I can combine yeah. the room I of internet, debuff, I'll debuff the bugs by using with my the bug spray. spray and the thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like I don't. That's not. I don't want my life to be Binding of Isaac, right? right. <laughs> I'm gonna if I want to play Binding of Isaac, I'll play Binding of Isaac for an hour on my computer, right? I don't want that to be like my normal, like what I'm just trying to do to have a normal existence should not be this crazy set of no win scenarios. I I hadn't really thought of that as really a personification of gamifying. It is. The gamification It's like a really well-tuned life is, and I think maybe this is capitalism, right? But it's not well-tuned. This is how capitalism, no, it's very well-tuned. It's tuned so you cannot win. Okay. That is what capitalism but that's is doing. A different right? Capitalism is basically the incentive structure for all corporations to push down to the point where all choices are equivalent. That's how it right. works. That's yeah. exactly what it does, right? So it's constantly putting that pressure on everything <laughs> so that the maximum amount of profit is extracted and the least amount of value is delivered, right? Like that's how that system works. So that basically you know it's like, it, no, no, it, it doesn't matter. Have we talked? Where you want to go to dinner? It doesn't matter. It's going to be bad no matter where you go. It's fine. Have we talked about that airline uh what is it called? Oh yes, it's like Spirit Airways or something like yeah, that. Yes, it's Spirit. I want to make uh, sure I don't we really get them. Remember? Okay, don't quote us on the name because we don't want to yeah. make it. Their their fa- their whole point is to be the absolute cheapest, worst. Well, it's F two B. It's an F two B airline. The idea behind the airline is you pay almost yeah. nothing for the ticket, but if you it's want anything else, like a seat right. yeah. free or to fly. something. You have to actually pay money. Yeah, it's a microtransaction for everything. It's a microtransaction. It's a microtransaction for bags, weight, you, everything. Yeah, like the the even at your seat. Right, overhead bins are charged. Are charged. Everything's charged. And and their uh, customer satisfaction is the lowest. Is the lowest of the the low by like several huge amounts. Right. And yet their growth rate is faster is than it? any other oh, really? airline. Yes, they're okay. like, Whoop! Oh, I and it's just that. like okay. because – and they have directly antagonistic yeah. PR people. Right, right. They because don't apo- they ask they don't about them and they're like, they listen – yeah. You know, people bitch about this shit, yeah. but they come back next time. I well, mean, no, they're like, they, say, they embrace what it. What they say more specifically, they're literal – I mean, this is exactly what they say. They're like, look – if you buy a Ford Focus, don't complain that it's not a Ferrari. That's what they say. They're like, look, you are buying the cheap fucking car, okay? It doesn't have features, doesn't have a radio. Like, get in the car and drive it. If you want more shit, you're going to have to buy it. Here's the thing I'll say. And I feel like this is absolutely the case. I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe – I'm, maybe I'm projecting. But I feel like this is a, a problem that actually sort of – infects a large swath of American business now, basically. Which is, because we have such an incredible amount of wealth concentration upwards. Okay. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And we have kind of set up our society to ensure that this will continue, right? So meaning the, the majority of people will have less and less money going forwards. They will yes. not have more. This is not 1950 mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. This is 1910 yep. or something like that, right? We, we, are, we are going back. I think it's just like game, a contrast right? button. You're just pushing so, things to the edges. Well, like, okay, so starting in 1950 and running through the 1970s, mm-hmm. wealth accumulated at the bottom. Okay. okay. Meaning, I don't know enough about it then. I, I thought there was still the crazy... I do, okay. and I'm telling you. Okay. So what happened, you know, starting in uh, basically after the New Deal and going forwards, right? Uh, what we basically had was the actual, uh, what you would call, real capacity for purchasing. The, the actual value or wealth, not just dollars, but adjusted for inflation okay. and other things. Starting at that time, grew. So the average family had more and more ability to make purchasing decisions and to purchase things. Okay. Starting, okay, seriously? Better pause. I don't know what that's about. Okay. <laughs> that was odd. All right. That was, I didn't know you had neighbors who came over and asked to borrow It's the ice. first time everyone's ever come to my door. So I would put a, I would put a stop to that right off the bat. <sighs> I'd open the door. They'd be like, I need to borrow some ice. I'd be like, find it somewhere else. Slam. <laughs> like, we don't. We don't solve problems the same way. You and I aren't on an ice-sharing, you know, this is not an ice-sharing relationship, okay? You make your own ice. Well, what's funny is uh, she was out of ice because she'd been away. Okay. And I'm about to leave. Okay. So, like, take my ice. Right, right, yeah. (laughs) All right, whatever. It's fine. Very strange. Well, it was I, the I assumed, that was the Well, problem. I assumed that she was having a big party and I need ice. No, no. She just, and then she when just you asked her, she's like, I just need some ice. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah, she's All making right. calamari. Oh. I can understand it. She's probably boiling it and she wants to chill Do it Do you remember what we were talking about? Yes. Okay, I was explaining continue. to you that from 1950 to 1970, the actual... Middle class or the low class? Lower class. So the average family, which means across all... The, 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 the median, let's say. Okay. Right? So, so I don't know how you want to interpret that exactly because I don't know what like, the standard deviation is on that or something like this. Um, but yes, let's say middle class for now because that probably is the most accurate way okay. to portray that. right? So somewhere in the mid-1970s, that stops. And it hasn't reoccurred again for pretty much the past 40 years. So we had 40 years of good, and now we've had 40 years of bad, mm-hmm. right? So what we're looking at now, and, oh, and coincidentally, we've kind of known for a long time, economically speaking, that countries are prosperous when this is occurring and not when it's not. So it's mm. like you want your like, low end to be heavy. You do not want your top end right. to be heavy. Top end heavy, bad. Low end heavy, good. Is that because right? before the 70s, the tax rate used to be 90% when it was sky high? Is so it mo- that moves the money, keeps it from concentrating? Or is it more so, complicated than that? So I feel like you can... There, there are... I would not say that I know that anyone has put together the complete explanation for why it happens, right? But... If I, if you forced me to produce the explanation, the smoking gun, honestly, it's computers. Hmm. 
my feeling about it is that people just aren't that necessary anymore. So oh, globalization, like the, the <clears throat> fact that computers have allowed us to A, replace people with robotics, with uh, data systems, with whatever, plus have allowed us to stay in contact with disparate empires of, you know, corporations, sort of, sort of this sort of thing has allowed us to basically move money not care about the working class in America Mm. because they're just not relevant. Like what do they do? We don't care what they do. We can manufacture shit elsewhere. We can replace them with databases. We don't need that many people actually doing shit here. And that's why we have, you know, a 70% service economy or whatever they always quote. It's like the only thing we actually need people to do is fucking man the store to like, right. And eventually we won't even need that because we'll just buy everything from Amazon. Right. So in my mind, like automation and, and globalization kind of have made it so that people just aren't that necessary. And when people aren't that necessary, right, you start to get all these pernicious forces coming back. And I think, you know, you can, you can start to create a wider picture of all of the ways in this happened, like, you know, union busting and this sort of mm-hmm. thing. So now they can't advocate for themselves anymore. Like there's, there's a series of things, obviously, in terms of the political culture that also allow people to be taken advantage of that is separate from this. You know, NAFTA, you know, all of these sorts of things are certainly part of it. But it's hard to say what was the primary thing that occurred. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, if you looked at it and you, if you took away a lot of these things, like the ability to have international globalization of markets and, all, and you know, uh, automation and all this sort of stuff, I think it would have been a lot harder or a lot slower. But who knows? It's yeah. hard to put together a complete picture. The other thing that definitely helped in terms of letting the problem go before anyone really realized it was credit cards and mm. uh, women's liberation. So I know that's a weird thing to say, right? But the fact that there was Doubling somebody the- in the house who wasn't working, who now could go to work, and the fact that there were ways for people to buy on credit meant that you had this push forward of the realization that you are getting poorer. Because if suddenly you get a second income and you don't fully realize how much of a toll it takes on you that you're doing twice as much work, right? It wasn't like women went into the workforce and then the men worked half as much. Right. What a wonderful world that would be. You work Mondays and Tuesdays, I work Thursdays and Fridays, whatever. That would have been great. Now everyone gets to have a career if they want one and we're not working more hours so the other spout, the, the, the other right. partner in a family, whatever, gets more time with the kids, whatever, you know, because previously the husband didn't spend much time with the kids, right? Because they were working all the time. You could have had this nice... You could have had women's lib come in and be a great thing for everybody. Instead, you might argue that capitalism went ahead and said, oh, good, we can use this, and it was not volitional, but we can use this to extract more out of these people. So even though they were making two wages in the household and a lot of women were going to work, their actual real earning power stayed the same. They did not, they used that to depress the amount that the household could buy by basically making sure that people earned less, giving them less raises, mm-hmm. making sure that as they got more productive and as there are more people working and working long hours, they weren't actually earning any more in terms of real dollars, right? So anyway, putting all that together, basically what you end up with is you end up with a situation where most of your wealth as it is generated goes to people who do not spend it. Yeah, right. Or if they do spend it, they spend it on things that are completely worthless to a society 
like yachts. Yachts is not really doing anything for us, <laughs> right? That is not keeping a vibrant town square. I think it's, that is not doing. That I, is not culturally enriching right. the area. It is I just putting think, a yacht out in the water. I think the yacht thing might be a bit of a red but herring, but it's not and that the, relevant because not much of the money. Yeah, that, it's like thing. it's zero it's percent much. of the money. It's the problem yeah. is is really once you get over a certain standard of living. It's impossible. Well, it goes in the bank. Yeah, it's it goes. It, you can't. Yeah. You can't. It doesn't matter how stupid you are. You yeah. can't spend it unless yeah. you invest it poorly, yeah. right? Which is certainly a way to lose it. But that's not helping most, yes. most stuff. Yes. If you're losing your money for that, so yeah, there is that problem of once you get to a certain level, you, it's impossible. It's literally impossible to spend enough of your money to actually. So I would say uh, it's going to yeah. concentrate, and you make money on interest, and so right. it just is this. A cre- thing that that it, whether you mean for it to or not is going to explode once you get to a certain nest egg. So yeah. what I would generally say is that I I actually don't believe that taxes on the rich are the primary problem. Meaning you were sort of floating that was it because taxes on the rich were ninety percent? I don't actually think that's that much of the problem. I think that that could be something you should look at as something you might want to do. It's true that higher taxes on the rich are probably a good idea. But I think that really it's less about the tax rate that the rich pay and more about the tax structure that the rich pay it in. Capital gains, for, exa- for example, is the worst idea that anyone has ever had. The fact that the capital gains tax is less than the income tax is yeah, that's by not, far the single most one problematic worse. one. Or carried interest is the other bad one. But The, the, wor- the, the very worst Okay, one. what's the very worst one? Is real estate rollovers. Okay. There's, it's inconceivable. There is no public benefit okay. to the fact that there is one kind of appreciation. Right. You do not have to pay any taxes on. Right, right. As long as you buy something else. It's right, like, right. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. wait, you, yes, you made a billion dollars in yeah. stock and you sold it. As long as you buy another billion dollars. Right, of right. The, it's like the only people that helps are right. massively wealthy uh, uh developers, right. real estate developers. There's no reason that is not a helpful thing to people up buying right. houses. It's not a useful thing to the right, elderly. Right. It's literally helping maybe two to three thousand people in the world. And if you look in, in, in the country, and if you look at the very wealthy, the crazy wealth that's there, it's like there's a predominance of real estate developers. Yeah. Like the number the people there they had this thing, you know, because of the Donald Sterling stuff, they're yeah. talking about a lot of the other kind of weird owners right. in uh, in the NBA. Right, right. And yeah. like there's a huge number that oh. guess what? Are real estate okay, developers I because see. hey, they got yeah. they got if it's tax free, it's pretty handy. Escalation yeah. over yeah, and yeah. over and over again. Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, estate tax would be another one that that's a separate issue. So, yeah. so pushing for, so looking forward. So uh, anyway, but just point being the tax thing, where you add friction into your system is incredibly important, right? And so one of the things that I'd say about the tax rate on the rich is that there's some, there is some truth and some falsehood to the myth of the job creator and that whole thing that they say all the time, right? And so the thing that I think is worth emphasizing that I never see anyone mention, but is probably the most important thing, in my opinion, for, that, for the entirety of that whole system, for our system, is that if, like, I don't really know if it's just because people don't, you know, most people don't run companies, they don't know, but the tax rate on job creators in this country is 0%, yeah. and it's never not been. If you take your money and pay an employee, 
you didn't pay any tax. Mm-hmm. It's gone. That's yep. a loss for your business. Yep. The business doesn't pay taxes on the money it hands to other people. So the yep. only tax, quote unquote, that you could say was on that are actually the taxes that the employee themselves sees yeah. on their paycheck. There's a like tiny Social one, Security, Medicare, there's a tiny unemployment ma- tax. There's a tiny matching on yeah, Social yeah, Security. Exactly. But it is, li- it is tiny, so 7% minuscule. of what they earn up to a point. Right. So it's it is hardly anything. nothing. It's yeah. negligible. So the concept- I would just say it's a separate thing. Yeah. As a business owner. Yes, you are a business owner. Running, I've run two businesses in my life. Yes. I have never made a decision based on what yeah, the, the tax would be. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make it like yeah. – and, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. They, the tax is the last thing on yeah. their mind. They're always thinking like, oh, I'll evade that later. Yeah. Like I got, I'll worry about it. Well, but the other point – again, the, but the point also is – I mean I think it's a little more straightforward than that. The tax code in this country, that part of it is set up well. If you give your money to an employee, you don't really pay taxes on it. And that's great. Like, that is a good thing. So the concept that when people say they're going to raise taxes on the rich, that they're taxing job creators, no. They're taxing non-job creators. Or the portion of the thing that the person was going to do that wasn't creating jobs, that's the part that's being taxed. If they found someone to give money to to do a job for them, they wouldn't pay taxes on it. So actually, you could say that raising taxes on the income of the rich is actually a way to force them to spend it on creating jobs <laughs> right. because that's good. So anyway, but that's a, that's a separate issue kind of. What right. I was going to say is that going forwards, the currently prevailing wisdom, if you believe Thomas Piketty, which most <laughs> people do, I guess. it's one of, Economics is a tricky thing yeah. because most people who do economics – are completely full of shit. Yeah. Especially macroeconomics. Well, completely it's, full of shit. Yeah. It's no, just a, it's an impo- it's just No, a, yeah. that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. It may be a hard problem. That is not part of it. It's one of those things where you go in and people are like, wow, this programming problem is really hard. And you just look at it and it's just like the crazy C wankers who have a giant hierarchy drawn on the board of who inherits from what. And you're like, maybe the problem was hard. You guys are all idiots. That's macroeconomics, (laughs) right? They do all this shit that you just, you walk in there and you start looking at it and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) They try to do stuff like solve economics problems with standing partial differential equations and stuff like this. And you're like, guys, this is a large scale sim problem. You get that, right? Like, (laughs) You're not going to write an equation on five lines that's going to capture any of the interesting <laughs> things that happens here. Like, you need large-scale sim for this. That's what this is for. And, like, only recently has anyone even thought of that. Like, that was, like, news to them. They were like, oh, wow. You mean we could start simulating people actually doing things and see what that ha- – right? So it, it's, it's full banana cakes. Don't ever go read any macroeconomics because <laughs> all it will do is frustrate you with how fucking – backwards these people are that people that policymakers are listening to which is the worst <laughs> part of it right but anyway if you believe thomas piketty he published a recent book and he's one of the few people who studies these sorts of things apparently who is well respected his finding was that historically speaking if you just look at the behavior of societies and how they end up going in terms of the money supply His argument was that actually uh, it's inheritance tax really is the primary thing to worry about. Mm. He was like, 
when you do not have very high inheritance tax, basically what ends up happening is the money just pools into families over time and those families become very powerful, period. Yeah. Like, end of story. And that is what will happen. It's what's mm -hmm. happening now in our society and it will continue to happen. And whether you believe that or not, like, hey, you could go read his book. It's got mm -hmm. a lot of data and it talks about, um, it's called Capital in the 21st Century. You can look at it uh, and whatever. But point being, uh, so going forwards, if you believe him, we also have another problem, which is that we need to jack the inheritance tax massively yeah. to prevent wealth accumulation, accumulation in individuals. Now you've got, because there's wealth accumulation in corporations, which is a separate problem, but wealth uh, accumulation in individuals like the Waltons or these sorts mm -hmm. of things. I think that's a hard uh, one because you've got to fix. it's really hard not to address, to address that in a way where you don't uh, have people do the counter effects of like, oh, I set up a foundation and my family runs the foundation and then da, 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 da. like there's yeah. so many methods that you're like, that's really hard. Yeah. Short of just like you die, 90% of it gets goes right to the government. Right, like, right. Like period. Like we don't even talk about it. Well, that's it. kind of what I was saying. Yeah. Like it's just hard to because you might set that up before you die. I'm going to gift you a billion dollars and that's taxed at 50%. Like, so, okay, now you have to do gifts. And like, right, like right, right. there's a whole bunch of yeah. weird, you know, you end up having a lot of weird scenarios that you're uh, dealing with. But well, I mean, part of it too is, again, you could look at it more holistically and say, well, if we really want to stop these patterns from repeating, we're going to have to start thinking post-capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think we definitely do need to do. The problem is we just, like, I don't feel like we have a lot of real momentum behind smart people working on new economic models and we also don't really have good ways to test them mm -hmm. because the classic thing of like oh well it's capitalist or it's socialist or whatever it's like that's a very like tunnel vision way of looking at things it's like the concept that we've already discovered the set of best like economic systems for the <laughs> world it's almost certainly not true like we probably haven't, because we haven't tried that many, yeah. we probably haven't hit upon the most effective ways to structure societies to avoid these kinds of problems. But it is definitely true that capitalism has a lot of these bad standing wave patterns that occur in them. And if we want to start you know, addressing those, maybe we have to start looking at how do we get past those. And I don't know what that looks like, yeah. but it's definitely true that, one, that all of these other things that we're talking about are really just ways of putting Band-Aids on the inherent problem of money is like the catch-all thing in capitalism. It's the thing that lets you do everything. So it's not only the measure of wealth, it's also the measure of control and power and all these other things. And so as a result, you end up in all these situations where like you say, we can shuffle it around or create alternate right. ways of using it. Whereas maybe in systems where there's more than one sort of number that occurs where people have a wider stat well, no, base, just, maybe you, you just got need, more to work there. You just with, need right? more tech trees. We tech have trees. the money tree. Yeah, we need but tech we need, trees. We need mana. We need tech up. We need, yeah, we, exactly. we need yeah. archery. Gamers need, will solve this problem. League yeah. of Legends players will t lead the way. I'm pretty sure they won't lead the way. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they're going yeah. to stay yes. at their desk yes. with headphones and clicking. We are All over right. yes. time budget speaking. And I think we're over time... Period. Yes. So we're what does that close. mean? We have to stop podcasting today. Oh. Yes.
I was we'll, just getting started. That's true. Well, the the our our Milky Peak. Or, We've peaked. Or, or. <laughs> All right, everybody. Um, if this you, political if you economy have, minute was brought to you by Miele dishwashers. M- Miel. Miel. I like that it's Miele. I don't know. I, where I say Miele. It's M I E L E. You think that's Miele? Miele. Maybe. Could I don't be. know. I, I don't. Like I said, I don't know how to pronounce it, so you could very well be. Yeah, right. I have no idea. I want anyway. to be Miel, like a French. Yeah. You know, but it, that, would probably, that would be that would be M I E L L E. So yeah. I don't know what M I E L E. Do we even know where these dishwashers are from? No, I have no idea. Uh, I know the Bosch are German. That's all. Okay. Yeah, but Germans are supposed to be good at engineering. I, that's what I thought until I've I have thought that's that, not true anymore. It's a, and it's I a, have owned a BMW car. Okay. <laughs> that's definitely not true. Of that car. I see. Yeah, it was. Uh, I see. It was a driving experience of a kind. I don't okay. know if I would have used the ultimate, okay. but it was an experience. BMW for a driving experience. <laughs> yeah. A driving experience. Yeah. <laughs> the most driving experience you will have. Supposedly, the really high-end ones are still good. Okay. But... You did not buy high-end enough? Is that what I, you were saying? I, that's my understanding. What is the high-end... So what is a high-end BMW? My understanding of the BMW problem was simply okay. that they uh, very consciously went for bigger and bigger markets in the United States and okay. pushed the cost of their cars down, 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 down. Okay. And then they started having huge manufacturing problems. Okay. And so if you didn't get anything but like the $180,000 BMW, you were hating life. Okay. So they yeah. bifurcated their line into high well, end. They always, crap. they were always high end. Okay. And then all German cars have really gone. Like, I mean, I bought a very high end Porsche in 1996 for I think seventy five thousand dollars, and that was a fortune. Now okay. there are Porsches that are two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, nine elevens, the same car. Okay, right? and so uh, they they definitely have gone. You know, hey, we have very exclusive okay. exclusive stuff, but they also are going just more mass market now. Okay. Both both of them. And I see. Apparently, that's the problem with BMW, but I don't. Okay. Know. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, if you have a dirty dishwasher story that you'd like right. to tell us. Or if you have some political economy opinions, mm-hmm. obviously there are a number of ways to look at that. If, if you're, you're a macro... Of, uh, yeah. Uh, if, if you feel like macroeconomics is not a load of horseshit, yeah. and you would like to write in with that opinion and have us discuss it on a future podcast, <laughs> you can send your macroeconomics apolo- apologia right. to, to podcast. podcast at jeffandcaseyshow.com or right. at cmuratory on Twitter, and we will take a look at it. That's right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening.